This is Bucket Listening from First Horizon Bank, sharing first-hand stories from people who have found a way every day to live their bucket list. Everyone has aspirations. Often, people see them as goals to be accomplished sometime down the road. But we say, why wait? Welcome to Bucket Listening, where we're talking to amazing people who have found a way every day to live their bucket life. Hi, I'm your host, Tabitha Scott, and I'm so excited you've joined us for this episode. On the show today, we have two truly inspiring guests, Rick Hayduck and Rich Davies, the co-founders of The Shepherd Hotel in Clemson, South Carolina. It's a -a one-of-a-kind hotel concept whose mission is to deliver more than just a first-class hospitality experience. It has a very special team who are thriving despite their disabilities. And along with Rick and Rich, we also have the pleasure of being joined by Dean Griffith, First Horizon's Charlotte Triad team lead in commercial real estate finance. Dean works closely with Rick and Rich to be sure the Shepherd Hotel can fulfill its powerful promise. Rick, Rich, and Dean, welcome to Bucket Listening. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. I'm so excited to talk with you all, Rick. I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background and your family. Well, I've been in the hotel business now for 40 years and worked in some really amazing places from Europe to California mostly resorts, some urban hotels, uh, usually in the five-star segment. But my life changed 18 years ago when my daughter with Down syndrome was born. And not only did I start looking through life through a completely different lens, but as she was born, I started to look at what I do uh, in my profession of hospitality and realized that there's a massive opportunity here for those like her with intellectual developmental disabilities to be trained, educated, and have gainful employment in hospitality. So 18 years ago, I started working with individuals with disabilities in hospitality, and then always had this crazy idea to not just employ, you know, as I always say, and Rich has heard this a hundred times, the one kid with Down syndrome who works bagging groceries at your local grocer, but having a significant, a material amount of individuals with disabilities working together in a hospitality environment. So God has a path for everybody. And this was just the, the, the track that I had. He brought it to, uh, brought me to Rich's front doorstep some time ago. And the Shepherd Hotel, 15 months in operation, is a result of that journey. Wow. That really speaks to my heart in a number of ways. One of my best friends has a child with Down syndrome. And if for those of you who haven't been around them, If you want love, if you want the best hugs, find someone with Down syndrome because they are the most loving people. And I could definitely see that coming through with hospitality and in the service sector. And uh, my own son, who's an artist, has autism. He's a glassblower. And so the more we can include people with disabilities and encourage them to be creative, I'm just so excited about learning more with what you all are doing and sharing that with our listeners today. And Rick, you know, you can't really talk about Clemson, South Carolina without talking about Clemson University. And I know that when it comes to the Shepherd Hotel, there's a big connection. I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your relationship with Clemson's head football coach, Dabo Sweeney, and your introduction to the Clemson Life Program. That's kind of like a fork in the road there because... My oldest daughter, who is a civil engineer, graduated Clemson University in 13. She was at Clemson when the Clemson Life Program, which is an area of the College of Education where individuals like my daughter, and and by the way, Tabitha, my wife and I adopted a boy with Down syndrome four years ago. So we got the two where Clemson Life, which is an acronym for learning is for everyone, is a program in the College of Education where kids like mine now it's in not just Down syndrome, but Down syndrome, autism, some type of intellectual developmental disability get to go to college. Now, they're not sitting in marketing 101, but they're learning independent living. And kind of the quid pro quo is 
the students who are studying in the College of Education for special education have a living laboratory as to how these, you know, how these individuals can absorb and learn and improve their life outcomes, especially when it comes to independent living. On the Dabo side, I was working in a resort down in South Florida on a 4th of July weekend, and we had a very large marina. We were sold out. And the harbor master who knew my oldest daughter went to Clemson because just like the Clemson nation, on game day weekends, you go to work. I don't care where you are, California, New York, you go to work in your Clemson orange. So I'm a dad. I'd go to work in my Clemson orange. Everyone knew my daughter went to Clemson. He radios me and he says, hey, Rick, I just think I turned away two Clemson boats from the marina. And you, you know, you talk about divine intervention, and, and I know Rich is going to talk to it as well. This project wouldn't be where we are if there wasn't some form of a higher being casting a hand on it. I had this my resort I was working at was two miles long. I happened to be at the mouth of the marina on that day, and I literally walked fifty yards, and I saw these two boats puttering out, and I yelled to them, "Hey, are you all from Clemson?" And Dabo yells, "Yes, we are." <laughs> and I said, turn the boats around. And that started my friendship with Dabo and his family. And then Dabo introduced me to Rich, who also is a boater. And then Rich and I struck up a side friendship. And that's how the, you know, the, the two things came about. But Tabitha, you're kind of hitting on that web that we spun where Dabo introduces me to Rich. My oldest daughter is a volunteer with Clemson Life when she's at, at Clemson University. I'm beginning to say, hey, wait a minute. I, and, and my wife and I, we lived in the upstate of South Carolina for, for three years before I had a, a job change and moved back to Florida. And we had said that we would love to live in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Clemson. But the idea started to churn in my head of, okay, if we want to live in South Carolina and we love the Clemson Life Program and we have two kids, or back in this point in time, we just had the one. We have one child that we would love to go to Clemson Life, bang, 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 it all starts coming together. And even how I pitched the idea to Rich was another, and again, we don't call him divine intervention, we call him Godwinks, where literally God's like, okay, I got you guys, I got you guys. He probably did that, I don't know, we laugh a hundred times in this, including the relationship with First Horizon, by the way, because Rich can talk to that or Dean can talk to that. But I, Rich invited my family down for a football game. We happened to be at this point living in New York City. And we were late and I was literally in the car behind Rich as we were driving to the football stadium. And I said, I got this idea. He says, well, talk to me on the phone. We're, we're, we got to get going because we were tailgating. And as I pitched the idea to Rich, we happened to be in front of a bank that Rich had bought three years ago. Oh, so I'm wow. like, hey, Rich... I'd love to, you know, we, we, we'd love to open a hotel, whether it's a rebuild or it's a renovate or a, a new build. And I'd like to partner with Clemson Life. And it, we really want to have a, a narrative that you can employ significant, you know, not the one kid bagging groceries, but you can employ significant amounts of individuals with disabilities in a four-star manner, teaching hospitality, gainful employment. And Rich was... All of a sudden, and he happened to be in the passenger side of the seat of, of the car. I saw an arm shoot out the window. He goes, that's where our hotel is going to be. I said, what are you talking about? I said, that's a bank. He goes, yep. I bought it three years ago. And he goes, and Rich is extremely involved in Clemson University, development, fundraising, planning of the university, five, 10, 20 years down the road. Rich inherently knew that the, the way the university was changing, it needed an upscale hotel. And Rich said, I had thought of a hotel for that location because I just didn't know how to do it. And you're pitching me right now with the Clemson life, people with disability angle, which she had never dreamed about. He goes, that's where a hotel is going to be. How so, cool is so that? So Dabo kind of started it and Rich at that moment kind of like put the cherry on the top. But that story doesn't end because when Rich and I separated, when we went to the football game, he went, uh, you know, he, he had to give me a, a, I went to a parking spot. And in the meantime, I had gotten to know some of the Clemson Life parents. So we went over, my wife and I went to visit them at their tailgate. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but do you know who Rich Davies is? Yes, I know of Rich. Well, 
we're looking to build a hotel downtown, but we need we we would like to partner with Clemson Life. And he said, well, the Clemson Life people are are tailgating up on the top of the hill. He goes, let's go. So we left the couple who had a son in the Clemson Life program. We walked up and the father said, and it so happened, the executive director and the founder of Clemson Life were there for that football game. And so the father said, this is Rick. This is, you know, Erica, this is Joe. He would like to build a hotel with his partner and they want to partner with Clemson Life. Their jaws dropped and said, what? And I'm like, and they said, well, well, how many students were you looking to take? I said, all of them. All of them. Oh, And wow. Clemson Life at the time was restricted by the amount of jobs they could, they could have for the kids. So in the hotel's existence, they've created a hospitality program and gone from 40 students to 54. So we've been able to assist the Life program to grow. So this whole concept from Rich sticking his arm out the window saying that's where the hotel is going to go was 45 minutes. Wow. That is incredible. And for those of you who may not understand Clemson Life and the challenges that a lot of children face when they reach the end of high school and what's next. And Rick, as a parent, would you describe what that situation is like and just what Clemson Life does in those cases after high school? What's special about that? You know, what what do our listeners need to know? So any listener or expand that to a parent of a child with a disability, we call it the cliff. Once your child leaves high school, it's literally a cliff and you get your kid gets kicked out of high school at 21. And most kids like mine get a certificate of a certificate of completion, not even a GED. Because like if you just run the numbers on Down syndrome, usually they'll kind of top off at a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. Now listen, there's no ceilings if you know what I'm saying. I'm just talking about in round numbers. So that is what every parent fears if once you're removed from the cloister of the school system. And that's when you usually rely on your local business people to have a heart to employ your kid bagging groceries, folding clothes, pushing a broom, whatever it might be. Clemson Life is a two-year or a four-year program where in those two years, you are taught independent living. So like I said, you're not going to marketing 101, but you are learning how to cook, personal hygiene, how to handle money, how to take public transportation. And Rich and I can tell you, we've seen these kids for two or three years now and the difference from when they enter the program to whether whether they finish after two years or whether they finish after four, because year, you can come back for a junior year, but you won't be in university housing. You have to show that you could live independently. So a lot of students are there for the third and fourth year. Rich and I will tell you that the level of maturity and confidence, that's a word we don't use enough, goes from here way up here after attending Clemson Life for two years. Our job in that independent living formula is to teach them hospitality. And there are 14 states represented in the current student population of Clemson Life. Many will go home, Connecticut, Alabama, New Jersey, Florida. And then our job is they can go into that hotel and say, you know, Madam Hotel Manager, I can work. And I mean, with all due respect, you know, a kid from kid with Down syndrome shows up in front of a hotel manager that doesn't have a tie to the disability community. They're probably panicking, thinking like, is this a setup? You know, is this a, you know, what's going on here? But then they can say, I'm a graduate of Clemson University's life program. I worked at the Shepherd Hotel and call these people for a reference. Game changer. Absolute game changer. So that cliff becomes a plateau or a flat surface that the family can walk forward on as they're looking for jobs and independent living for their child. Yeah, I love that analogy. They're not falling off the cliff. You're giving them a place to land and to walk forward throughout their lives. And Rich, you know, I've done a significant amount of work in the investment sector, building uh, commercial facilities and multifamily homes and things. And when I hear that you met Rick and you pointed out the window to a place and within 45 minutes you had a business plan like that seems outrageous to me 
Could you tell me a little bit about your background and what you thought when you first met Rick and heard about his idea? Sure, Tabitha. So a little bit about my background first. I'm a fourth now fourth generation a real estate developer. Uh, my grandfather started the business many in the business many years ago uh, in the 1930s, actually in Durban, South Africa. Uh, my my father continued it forward, and now you know we've we've carried that forward here in, in the Carolinas and beyond. And you know one of the things that my grandfather and my father had done as they built up their business overseas is develop top end hotels and. It's something that I had always wanted to do. And being involved, as Rick had mentioned, with the university, I had an eye on doing something special in downtown Clemson. It was something that I felt was needed from a commercial standpoint, given the changes in the university and some of the folks coming in from other states and where the university was headed. It, it needed something more. It needed something better. And the quality of development needed to be uh, improved in downtown Clemson. So for commercial purposes, I had bought this property with a view towards building a hotel. But there was a check in my spirit that just led me to delay, whether it was just not having enough confidence and, and knowledge uh, of the hotel business itself or something else, who knows. As Rick and I have often said, that was one of those godwinks that just sort of matured and everything came together very quickly for me. Uh, as soon as Rick shared this concept with me as we were driving down College Avenue, for me, it was immediate. The reason it was immediate is that this was the missing piece that I believe I'd been waiting for. And this piece was that it gave this development and this project purpose. And in, in this instant, uh, as he was sharing with me his vision, I remembered and recalled youngsters that I've seen and connected with that are bagging groceries at the grocery store. And, you know, when you get that hug, it's just different. And when they say to you, hey, you have a nice day, they genuinely mean it. And what struck me about Rick's vision is authentic hospitality was going to be involved. And the authenticity of the relationships that special needs youngsters have in their world is so special. And I saw that. Their gift is, in fact, hospitality. And that's what we feel. And in the hospitality business, the old adage, you know, it's not what you do for people, but it's how you make them feel that's important. And those youngsters in the Shepherd Hotel make you feel very, very special. And so I saw that immediately. So with no hesitation, I put my arm out the window and said, Rick, we're going to do this. This is, this is exactly the right moment, the right place. And you know, I felt that God wink. And I think those of us who, who believe will uh, know exactly what I'm talking about when I say sometimes you can just feel God's hand at work, and this is one of those moments. Yeah, it's, it was Maya Angelou that said, I've learned that people will forget what you said, and people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. I, I love that. And with your team, you know, you assembled this team, both of you did, and brought it together and you had this dream, but what did it take to turn that into reality? And, and how did the Clemson community react to that? Sure. Uh, one day uh, when things slow down a bit, uh, I'm going to write a book about the development challenges associated with bringing the Shepherd Hotel in Clemson to life. It was, without a doubt, by a million miles, the most difficult development I've ever experienced in 30-odd years or even heard about, to be quite honest. You would never think so uh, in small-town South Carolina, but it was fraught with development challenges, from the trapezoidal-shaped lot to the the change in grade from one street to another, uh, along with having to build on a zero lot line where neighbors were reluctant to give us any approvals to cross their airspace with a crane. The list went on and on and on. In fact, we were in not one, but two or three meetings with City Hall literally telling us that, we're sorry, but you're going to have to fold the tent. This isn't going to happen. 
we were told in no uncertain terms by those in authority that this building wasn't going to happen. We had some real challenges, Tabitha, and I believe that throughout those challenges, which included developing through COVID, dealing with supply chain issues, materials cost increases, labor shortages, you name it. I mean, we had the book thrown at us through the process. And that same perseverance that we see in special needs youngsters that are challenged every single day is what kept us going. It kept us in faith that we would find a solution if we just persevered, just like they do. And I think if it had been for any other purpose, we wouldn't have completed this project. I mean, we would have literally followed the tent soon after we got started, to be quite honest. It was the connection and the, uh, I'm going to say leadership, that we felt from those with special needs as they get up with smiles on their faces every day and tackle the, the, the day and everything that comes with it, that, that kept us focused. And you know, my goodness, if they can have a smile on their face, if they can give authentic hugs and make people feel better about their day in the face of the challenges that they have, then you know what? We can solve this. If we can find a solution. And solutions are born from motivation. And, and that's my belief, right? And so to, to have the kind of motivation that we all had collectively Every person that had a hand in this project is who I'm talking about. It certainly just wasn't me or our team. It was every person that had a hand in this project was involved in finding solutions, whether that be, that be construction, design, financing. I mean, First Horizon had, had enormous challenges in the face of this, but was motivated because of their caring approach to what they do to find solutions. So all, all the way around the table, Every person at the table that had a hand in bringing this project to life was so motivated because of its purpose to find a solution that that saw us through. I love that kind of stubborn optimism, and it, it just absolutely drives things ahead that, that need to happen. So this podcast is all about the ways in which people turn their bucket lists into beautiful lives. What have you learned, Rick and Rich, about aspiration and unique ways to see life by watching the way your hotel team members approach their work every day? So the approach that these youngsters have when they're able to be in a position where they're adding value, to see their reaction is just so rewarding. These youngsters come to work and they want to be at work. Most youngsters that have got their first jobs may or may not be looking to take the day off when they don't feel that well. Uh, these youngsters, they want to be there. They're, they have such diligence and self-discipline and motivation built into being a part of something special. They want to be there. And as Rick will attest, you know, he, he often has to say to them, look, I, I think you're not well enough to work today. You need to go home. <laughs> You know, wow, what an inspiration they are to the other staff members and to all of us. And to that end, one of the unexpected things that I'll share with you related to your question is this. In connecting with some of the staff, my wife and I would, would work in different spots in the hotel when it first got started, and one of which was in the, in the kitchen and helping out with the dishes and so on. In talking with one of the dishwashers, first of all, dishwashing in a restaurant is about as low on the sort of you know, staffing totem pole within the kitchen environment or hospitality as one can get. And, and it takes a special kind of person that's going to take that on and do it you know, ongoing. But this person, this dishwasher that was back there made a comment to me that stuck with me because he was, he, he was training and had a helper in the kitchen to washing dishes as well who had special needs. And this fellow's name, Dave, was in the military for many, many years, made a comment that Hey, listen, I gotta be here tomorrow as well because I gotta be I gotta be here to help my coworker. And it gave that person a whole new and different outlook in life. That person was no longer a dishwasher. That person, Dave, was now a mentor. And so the interesting piece of this employment engagement 
is that it gave purpose to the people that were working with the special needs youngsters in the workplace to the point where they became, they saw themselves differently. And, and for me, that was a very big aha as a positive impact to the non-special needs folks that these youngsters were having on them. It gave them purpose and, and the relationship has been phenomenal to see the co-workers working together. That's fantastic. Now, Rick, what about you? Are there certain things that you observe about u- unique ways that you look at life and perspectives? That's a really open-ended question for me, starting with when my daughter was born. I think many driven individuals, you know, you set goals, you go after those goals, you achieve them, you go to the next one. But when my daughter was born, everything just changed because you speak to a parent of a child with Down syndrome and many will tell you, it's like God's way of reminding people, if you just keep things simple, life's pretty good. Like multiple times I've heard, whether it be the huggers or, you know, they, they just light up a room. And I know I'm stereotyping, but there's a lot of truth to that. There's a level of naivete that individuals would down, like my daughter doesn't understand racism or prejudice or that people could be bad, right? And you know, that's a wonderful way to look through life. And we, a lot of our world problems would be solved. Of course, it has its dangers that go with that, but she's just a constant reminder you know, to me, to my family, to those around and getting back to the other 70% who work in the hotel that, why are you always happy? You, know, you don't have the stress that I do. Is it because you're not in finance 404 or is it because you just have a different outlook on life? One thing that really occurred in this hotel that was an unintended benefit, like when Rich and I sat down and we were you know, brainstorming on everything, was their future was typically at the grocery store bagging groceries or that one-off job. An unattended benefit of this hotel was they get to work with each other en masse. About 30% of our staff population has a disability. And some of the things that, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to speak for Rich because he and I have spoken to this for years, is Rich is extremely accomplished in the business world, the philanthropic world. And this, as you kind of get towards the end of your years, we still have a lot of fuel in the tank, the two of us, but you start looking out instead of looking in. And Rich has done, made a career of doing this, but I think what we're seeing now is kind of like that bucket contribution is there's a whole generation of Clemson students that are coming into this hotel and seeing something that they wouldn't, you'll see the kid at the supermarket, the one you walk in, you feel good for about as long as it takes for you to get from the store to your car and then you drive away. But we say that when you come into the hotel or a restaurant, if you don't leave inspired, we failed you. Yep. Good bed, good food, good, all that stuff. Yes. But you need to feel inspired. And we have numerous stories of the impact that is left, whether it's Dave the dishwasher or whether it's a guest. And I've had uh, you know a, a quick sidebar story, hotel manager from Boston. Uh, came in to drop his son off, a freshman at Clemson, two Augusts ago. And he came up to me, you know, typical hotel guy, hey, how you doing? And I said, how did you find a hundred people to staff this? And again, when the labor, we know there was like a negative employment. And I said, well, here's the math. This is we're projecting 30% will be people with disabilities. We're partnering with Clemson Life. So we just really have to go out and find 70%. But more importantly, as we're going out and finding 70% of people who have a heart, Passion, patience. And I'll teach him how to you know, make a cup of coffee, clean a room, check somebody in. And a light went off in his head. He went back to Boston. And now he is involved in the special needs community in the city of Boston in hiring. And he's got a, five, a four or five star hotel. So when you talk about you know, the inspiration or the, the bucket component of what you want to do after. I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying I'm done or Rich is done, but we both recognize that we're on the more, maybe more on the backside of the calendar than the front side is that's the type of stuff that we want to do. Rich has been doing, making a career of it. You know, I've been cleaning a lot of 
cleaning a lot of rooms while Rich was doing a lot of philanthropic work. But a lot of these unintended benefits, whether it's the butterfly effect or the way people look at individuals with disabilities or whether it's the confidence that we have. We have a young woman with developmental disorder, cerebral palsy, and ADHD. And she came to me like six months ago and said, I never thought I'd be able to work the desk by myself. And that's when you're like, okay, you know, you had me at hello. This is this is why we're doing this. And she also gets to work with her peers and her friends. And then the the woman that she was working with, able body, able minded, came to me and said, I've taken more from this woman than I than I've given. So these are, you know, I know I'm kind of giving a lot of sound bites here, but these are the pieces as to what Rich and I set out to do. And and so much more has come about it than I think what we ever intended. And you know, the whole idea is, can we put more Shepherd hotels into different environments? And the cool thing is, Tabitha, the Clemson Life Program exists in over 200 colleges today. Some have only day students, some have residential programs, some are large, some are small. And we're looking at transferring this model to partnering with colleges with this, it's called IPSI, Inclusionary Post-Secondary Education Program. So we're looking at partnering with universities with IPSI programs that have a need for, I mean, there's got to be a sound business model, otherwise First Horizon wouldn't give us the money. So there's got to be a, you know, a sound business acumen to the whole process. But what we've done in 15 months, I think exceeds our expectations and we hear the stories for it and Lord knows what the next five years will hold. Wow. And true inspiration is absolutely contagious. It's exciting how you can see it just, um, it's like dropping a pebble in a, a pond and watching those ripples as you're affecting the communities around you and potentially other communities from other colleges and universities going forward. I wanted to also ask a bit about, I remember talking to someone about the hotel and they were mentioning it's not just one type of disability, it's many types of disabilities. And they were talking about finding something in Braille, I believe. Can you say more about that? Our designer did a phenomenal job. She came up to Clemson and immersed herself in our community, the art community, the university, met with Clemson Life, and really understood the purpose of the hotel and how we wanted to incorporate that into the design. When one walks into the elevator, we've got beautiful wood paneling, but inlaid in the wood paneling is Braille. Braille words of inspiration, sunshine, love, happiness, joy, but it's all in Braille. So they did a fabulous job of incorporating the theme of our purpose into the design of the hotel. So that what you're referring to is in our elevator caps. Yeah, it's the four-star experience. And you're not just giving that experience to the typical Joe customer. You're giving it to all types of people in all types of ways. And uh, I, I just love the complexity and inspiration of this story. So, Dean, I'm going to switch over to you for a minute here. Now, as a banker, you hear a variety of proposals for businesses all the time. That's what you do. But what was your reaction when you first met these guys and heard their very unusual plan? Well, it, I think you've gotten to hear a lot of what we heard, which is why we're here. You know, I get the honor and privilege to represent uh, like Rick and Rich, fantastic team at First Horizon, and primarily our local team, which is Eric Henderson, Bonnie Hammers, Keith Alexander. So I, I definitely speak for all of us. And, and it's a joy to have the opportunity to do that. And I think you've heard it come through so clearly already throughout the conversation. When we first heard from Rich and Rick and they discussed the project, it was a contagious kind of a spirit in the room, uh, not just them, but their entire team. And it was this tremendous sense of purpose. It just rooted in just what I call kind of this extraordinary love for other people, especially these kids at the Clemson Life Program. 
it was a vision. You just heard Rick talk about that. It was a vision to do something remarkable. And I think it was also this undeniable reality that there was a divine intervention in bringing them together, bringing us together. How I came to meet Rich was at an economic forecast event, meeting his CFO and hearing about this project and saying, yeah, let's, let's get together and talk more about this. And so what I was drawn to the most is, is the heart uh, of what they were doing. And um, it wasn't just another business project. So I, I think for us, you're correct. We do hear a lot of different proposals. And, and, and I don't want to discount the fact that we do a lot of good in the community by the developments and the projects that we finance. But it, it's not often that we truly get to do something like this, like a unique mission, a calling, if you will. So when I first heard the discussion of it, we sat down with their team. I thought to myself, and I know I speak for our team, there is no way that we're not going to you know, be a part of this. And so we, I remember turning to Rich at some point and saying, Rich, we will figure this out. That's so fantastic. And Rich was telling us about some of their challenges. What were some of the challenges putting together the financial package? for the hotel and what what did you have to face trying to turn this bucket list dream of theirs into a reality well it's a bit cliche to say but you know when you're trying to accomplish something remarkable or extraordinary we all know that um that road to success is never straightforward or simple and this was no exception the challenges were immense uh, whether that was construction challenges, cost, uh, project delays, any number of issues, and, and Rich mentioned that earlier. But I recall one, at least one occasion where we literally as a team here at First Horizon, Eric Bonney and Keith and myself, we literally gathered together in a conference room to discuss some of the issues from the lending side. And what felt great to me, and I remember calling Rich and telling you this, what felt great to me was this consensus and unity of the team. We collectively agreed that it wasn't a matter of if we were going to figure this out. It really was how will we figure it out. And we vowed that we would not leave that room until we came up with a solution. And that's exactly what happened. So from the local office here in Charlotte, to the executive members in Memphis, we all caught and shared that vision along with Rick and Rich and their teams, uh, and we helped them move the project forward. And I'm immensely proud of our team and how we did that. That felt incredible. Well, I'm going to flip this question over there to Rick and Rich for a second. How did you choose Dean and First Horizon? Like, What was it about them that you knew they were going to hang in there with you. They were going to be in the trenches and figuring out how to overcome all of these obstacles. How did you know? So yeah, I'll jump in there, Tabitha, on this one. It was a very easy decision for us. You know, to be quite honest, it starts with shared values. You know, those shared values are the foundations for decision-making. And we knew that we would have a lot of opportunity for decision-making given the challenges that lay ahead. And in particular, where we're breaking the mold, you know, where we're looking at 25, 30% employment of our non-managerial staff being those with intellectual challenges, that's breaking the mold. You know, there's no formula for First Horizon to say, okay, well, when this program looks like this, this is what you do and here are the terms. This is a totally mold-breaking engagement for First Horizon. And for us, seeing how they approach this project made it a very easy decision for us. They sat around the table, just like Dean said, and found ways to overcome the challenges that they were faced with in their loan approval process. And that's what this project took. It took foresight. It took vision. It took motivation and shared purpose. And so... That's exactly what First Horizon did, and that's what we felt as they came alongside us as a true partner in this initiative to help make this vision come to reality to bring the Shepherd Hotels to life. I wish I could have been there the day that you all opened the doors of the hotel. And then again, to see, you know, after a year of operations and see that the economic model works. 
it's so exciting. And, you know, you've shared with us so many stories about the rewarding ways people have been impacted by the hotel. In addition to it's just economically works. Are there any plans for expansion to do another hotel like this in the future? Before we answer that, Tabitha, Dean and Rich forgot one insane point on the lending process. COVID was in full force. Hotels were shut down. Oh, yeah. And um, Rich called me after he spoke with Dean and the First Horizon team. They called us on the loan approval while hotels were shut down. So, and then there was another component to this is we, we enlisted a very traditional valuation firm that would, you know, say, all right, this is where we value the building based upon future earnings. And Rich and I looked at it and said, you guys are missing the point. This is the market. This is what we think we could do. And they're like, they look back. That's what they do. They look backwards to look forward. And we knew they were undervaluing the asset and first horizon in that underwriting process and the approval process, the application process, they looked at it and they kind of saw what was being done while hotels across the world were shut down. So Dean and the first horizon team were, were able to see, and this says so much like Rich started off, yes, it's a, a bank but the bank is made up of extraordinary individuals that we had value synchronicity with. And like Dean said, they, they kind of hold themselves up and said, how do we make this happen? So from that standpoint, our partners that have come alongside us, First Horizon in that first chair position, really bought into what we're doing and trusted Rich and I in, okay, guys, this hasn't been done to this magnitude for profit. You know, you're you talk about a disruptor and you know the whole idea here is you asked the question a minute ago about like what's the future we are very close to entering into an agreement for the second shepherd hotel in another college town and again I'll cut to it cuz I know you can slice this out the university of south carolina in columbia has a carolina life program but again as you take a look at okay it's not cookie cutter by any means there's nothing about what we do that's cookie cutter, especially the people we employ. The University of South Carolina is one of the top hotel schools in the country. And when our team went down to Columbia to meet with the university president, the dean of the College of Education, the Carolina Act program, the hospitality dean, same type of reception. And I'll never forget, we were meeting with the president and the president said, let me understand this. You guys are coming in here as business leaders, want to partner with our university with our Carolina Life Program, same model, employment, training for hospitality, and you're asking for nothing other than our support? We went, yeah. <laughs> he said, this is a first in all of my years of university leadership that anyone has come to me not looking for something. Uh, you know. And I'm like, well, no, that, that, that's who we are. And that's who our partners are. So right now, Rich and I do have, you know, it, it, it's, it's an iterative process. Rich will tell you this nearly killed him and me. <laughs> and uh, it brought the two of us closer, but it almost killed both of us because of the, you know, all of the things that went through that ritual, write the book one day. But we learned so much. I almost look back in my 40 years of hospitality saying, how did I do what I did five years ago, not knowing what I know today? Uh, so we are really well positioned for a second, a third, a fourth Shepherd Hotel, as long as it meets all of the requirements of our purpose and what we set out to do from a Shepherd Hotel branding component. And, and Tabitha, just to tag on to, to what Rick was saying there, you know, as we get started with Shepherd Hotel number two in Columbia with the University of South Carolina and seeing the reaction that there alumni base is having and university is having to what we're doing has been matched, frankly, with the folks in Clemson that, that we first engaged with. You know, there is genuine excitement about engaging in this purpose-driven initiative in Columbia. And so in answer to a question about what comes next and what do we see down the road, you know, our, our goal is lofty. Our goal is that you know, we would like to see 
in our career lifetimes, let's put it that way, 200 Shepherd Hotels opened around the country, providing this incredible opportunity for these those with uh, uh, intellectual challenges to be able to use their gifts in a meaningful way that creates and allows them to enjoy the value that they're adding. And they can feel it. You know, when you walk into the hotel and you're greeted by one of the, the workers on, at, at the Shepherd Hotel, they know your name. And they remember if you only been there once three months ago. And they call you by the name every time you come in. It feels like you're at home. And to broaden that impact, allowing others to experience this incredible two-way relationship that comes from breaking the mold and stepping out beyond into an area that probably feels a bit uncomfortable for some, but understanding that it's okay and it's good. And in fact, it's great. And they'll come away inspired. So our goal is to, is to introduce this concept to, to other locations. We've had conversations with several already. We're walking before we run. We want to make sure that we've got the model working really well. Our value add as we grow is to maintain and continue to sow into the relationship that the university life program has with the hotel. And that's where we will come into play and where we're honing our skills and our experiences and our offering so that we can add value for those that want to come alongside us and build their Shepherd Hotel and their community and at their college so that more can benefit from the incredible gifts that we're all enjoying as a result. That sounds fantastic. And Dean, when you hear about all of these amazing things that are happening at the hotel, what do you think about how a bank can have an impact like this on a community. How does that feel? This may not sound very banker-like, but I don't know how you don't feel warm and gooey on the inside, you know? You know, it's something that really, truly is bigger than all of us. And I think, I, I go back to the grand opening and at the end of the ceremony, they started to play Celebrate, the song. And these kids got up and danced with absolute abandon. And I'm smiling thinking about it, as we all are, because it was it was incredible uh, as they got this opportunity to showcase their brilliance. And so I think about what that experience did for me and the fact that we've been a part of this project. We've allowed more of that beauty and brilliance to shine and, and, and into the world. And, you know, to me, that actually makes the world a better place. And I think that's that's pretty cool. This has been just an incredible conversation. And the story of the Shepherd Hotel is so inspiring. So to wrap up things here on Bucket Listening, I'd like to ask each of you, what is the next item on your bucket list? And Dean, let's start with you. Honestly, to do more like this, projects that really have purpose and mission things that are legacy driven. Great. Rick? I don't mean to be the contrarian, but when I go back to the life-changing birth of my daughter, she taught me to live in the moment. And I will confess as we're on the bucket list podcast that I don't have a bucket list because I had to retrain myself as I adapted to what my daughter and son have taught me is to be more grateful and joyful the moment. So I don't have, I want to walk the Great Wall of China or stand under the Eiffel. Tower. I don't have that stuff because I want to be more like my kids and the, the, the staff who I learn from every single day. And again, it's a fight. I'll be the first, I mean, well, you know, people like us you know, struggle with that, but I just want to be more in the moment and be more grateful and joyous for today and Lord willing, I'm around for a long more time to keep living that. Awesome. Rich, what's on that bucket list? So I'll go back to you know uh, where I started with uh, sharing a little bit about my grandfather and my father, who sadly passed um, a couple of weeks ago, who instilled in me this burning desire to positively impact the lives of others. And the receptivity that comes along with that to try to help others 
create something in their lives that gives them the opportunity to perhaps check off a bucket list item in their life. To, as Rick said earlier, be in a position to, you know, uh, be the attendant or the, the person in charge at the front desk when they never thought that would, would be possible. That That's helping that individual with intellectual challenges check something off of their bucket list. So in answer to your question, I'm going to continue to focus on things that can help others check things off their bucket list. And I'm really excited about some of those initiatives, but that's for another podcast. I really want to change my answer now. <laughs> I've got this tattoo that reminds me of uh, how loved I am and and how I need to love the world. So the truth is, what I really want to do is find more ways to do just that, to share that love to the world. And whether that's through projects that we do at work or how I love my kids or the community I'm in and, and loving and serving others, that's that's really what I want to do. Oh, bring it on. <laughs> bring yeah, it but, on. But, you know, Dean, that's why you're not the traditional banker. That's why we're on this podcast today. That's why First Horizon is with the Shepherd Hotel. I don't think Jamie Dimon would have given us the uh, the return phone call. So this says so much about everybody that has come alongside us on this journey. And, you know, Dean is so influential at that bank and the people that have, uh, we've become friends. I mean, not just like business relationships, but there's so much to be said about First Horizon taking this risk. I can't underscore enough. They called us when hotels were closed and not knowing if people were going to travel again. So it's that wrist tattoo that I think drives all of us. And, you know, bank hospitality, development, philanthropy, whatever it might be. So I'm just so honored to be a part of, of everybody on, the, on, on this team or, and anybody like Rich alluded to. I mean, the carpenters, the carpenters in the hotel knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They knew that they weren't just you know, slapping up a, a hotel for some, some development company. That's my jumping off point, but I, I, I just can't stress that enough. And I thought, you know, Dean showing us the wrist is is a great a great reminder for all of us. This has been such an incredible story today. I feel like I have three new brothers that <laughs> are like minded about um, helping others in the world and sharing what you have with others. And I just can't thank you all enough. A huge thank you goes out to Rick, Rich, and Dean for joining us on this podcast today and for sharing your powerful and extraordinary story. And a special thanks to all of you as well for listening to our conversation. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the Shepherd Hotel just as much as I loved speaking with the guys about it. And if you did like the show, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This has been Bucket Listening, presented by First Horizon Bank. I'm Tabitha Scott. Be sure to join us again soon.